Welcome back to Big Content. It feels like it's been a year since we've sat in the seat, got on the hot seat, spit it, spit that fire. <laughs> Don't smile at me today. Today's a very serious episode with a very long laundry list of uh, of things to talk about. Now we have the the whole Barstool and Penn and ESPN thing. We have a lot of stuff going on personally within our brands. Where Where can we jump off to make sure that we help the smaller creators first, the individual creators. What's what's like the, the jumping off point? Because a lot of the other stuff that's kind of more like current news and, and things that are more fun to talk about from like a high-level perspective, I think we push them off to the end. Mm, no, I disagree. We disrespect the big guys. No, I'm trying to think about how we could help the little creators here or the, the new creators. But what I would say is this news that has come out over the last week is – extreme it's a ripple effect so while it is hitting the biggest people and it is you know hundreds of hundreds and billions of dollars it's going to ripple effect down to literally every single one of the entities that touches that and if you want to be a sports creator specifically it's meaningful and i think even just talking generally about all of this will be you know very it'll be good learnings for everyone if you're whether you're going to be a new creator or you know you're more established so i don't think you tell should, me where we should start then yeah isn't it don't i lead shows now yeah you the forgot. fact that you even I have to, to ask that i went to you're not doing once. your job you went to so, europe for a month yeah we're gonna start with with barstool Penn and ESPN. So obviously Nick is a big Dave Portnoy fan. I have a ton of respect for Barstool. Growing up, I tweeted out that, you know, every kid or, you know, everyone that I knew wanted to work for ESPN growing up. And then Penn, Penn Gaming bought Barstool, was kind of the back end behind Barstool Sportsbook. They have now dropped Barstool, returned Barstool back to Mr. Portnoy and they are going forward. Look at you call him Mr. Portnoy instead yeah. of Dave Portnoy or Prez. <laughs> yeah, and and they're going forward with ESPN bet. Terms of those deals are $1.5 billion over 10 years, so $150 million a year. They are not an exclusive partner to them, which is very key in all of this. And Dave got back Barstool for uh, $1 is the official SEC filing. Good deal. Good deal. <laughs> decent deal. And on top of that. Spend more money uh, on, on pizza for lunch. But but little caveat is that if he were to sell Barstool, which he said he would not, he would uh, have to give 50% of the proceeds to Penn. And you've also got a non-compete. So I think we just get into it. Let's take it from me the and top. You. I yeah. know. I think we get into it and debate who came out on top of all of this? Because I have so many thoughts, and you are very much pro bar. Well, well I and want I'm to, just saying, I want hold, to hold your horses. Hold you hold your horses. First of all, I want to I want to break it down a little bit further for the audience in case that's a little bit confusing. The think about okay, there's one sports book right now to share between two different people: Barcel, ESPN, right? Penn was the infrastructure for a sports book. So Penn built it. Penn has the licenses to all the states that make it legal to gamble so they have their sports book partnered with barstool barstool branded the sports book like that's mm -hmm. what that partnership allowed it allowed barstool to be like hey it's barstool sports book because they branded it but Penn really has the logistics and the infrastructure behind it one important thing to note is that in that deal because they owned barstool they also used barstool to market right one differentiator that, that was is the that big thing espn it's still kind of unclear espn will push espn bet but Penn is actually just paying for ESPN's name 
like at the at the so, highest level. Yeah, which is really interesting. So so do you know is ESPN not going to be making revenue off the sports book? They will not. Oh, okay. That yeah. that's a that's an interesting wrinkle that's, there because I was going to say yes. it, it would almost be like if we started to sell like a, it's like we rented out advertising space within our content to sell another company's draft guide right. while we sell our own draft guide. So I didn't realize they make no revenue. So there's really do they have any incentive for ESPN bet to actually be good other yeah. than like it would ruin their brand name? Correct. And that's wild. Be, and it, that is why all of this on the surface, on the on the very surface level, there's three parties, Barstool and Portnoy, huge winners, ESPN, huge winner, Penn, huge loser. Obviously, anyone who holds Penn stock will point to the fact that they're up 26 percent overnight and in the trading. But I think in the grand scheme of things, they had to get rid of Barstool. So they, they on paper, they're so, so pretty much marking. A so pretty much ESPN came in. So so what I think happened for the most part, is like Penn and Barcel have these grandiose plans to say like, hey, Barcel, you are so good at organic marketing. We won't have to pay for a lot of marketing retention. We don't have to, we don't have to yes. pay a lot to get customers on. And, and we have numbers on that. So Penn reported that Barcel drove about 1.5 million customers. So on average, $372 uh, per customer acquired. Which, 372 Yeah, which isn't terrible, but it's also you've now likely lost the lifetime value of them. And the reason mm-hmm. these sports books pay a high number. I'm surprised it was that high. That it came in at 372. Yeah. Also, for those who are less aware of, of the market and, and all of it, the reason why this was such a big deal is because while Barstool and Portnoy is celebrating all of this, what really happened was Penn said, you guys failed right. as a sports book. I think and, that's, and that's why. I, I think basically what happened was like they just assumed that the constrictions on what they were going to be able to do content-wise would not be as big of a problem as it became, which is why I think they both went into it with the intentions of thinking that. It got to the point where it became clear that it wasn't that way, and they can't really operate the way that they operate and what made them so popular and what made them be able to grab so much organic uh, growth. I I think yes and no, because I would still say Barstool definitely grew over their time with Penn, Mm -hmm. and they definitely reached a, a... insane amount of eyeballs and Penn's funding allowed them to do you know different types of content and stuff that led back I just think they were restricted no they were they were but what Penn and Barstool maybe miscalculated was the value of their customer because they were like oh we've got this 18 to 35 or 21 to 40 and and they're you know they bet a ton and they love action but they're, they don't have a ton of money. And then you look at the market, you see someone like uh, BetMGM, whose product is is dog shit, but they have focused on like these VIP customers and these high-end customers. I, I think on a higher up. level too, like <clears throat> they, weren't, they weren't able to go live in certain states. That's like, true too. They, they lost licenses in certain states. But it states wasn't because- worth, yes. They were on the verge of losing licenses with the can't lose parlay. It, I, it was just I not mean, like they got good. denied from certain states yes. for opening up a license, but most likely But they wouldn't even go live in New York because Barstool didn't have the ability to make an impact there. And it, it literally was not worth it. So what what is interesting about, you know, Portnoy then makes his statement, I got Barstool back, the pirate ships back, all this stuff. There was one you know, just absolutely key part where he says, we're not fit for regulated sports gambling, Mm -hmm. which I'll touch on in a second. And then the other part being, I will never sell Barstool again. So this is where the terms are, the terms are out in the public. Everyone knows like it, it, 50% of sales or, or income from like investments goes back to Penn. They're, they're right to it. The reason Prez got 
the company back for I, again. I, th- I think it was like ESPN was offering such a big deal, but they they couldn't just swap Barcel for ESPN because the contracts were already in yeah. place. They basically uh, Barcel had them like you know on on the end of the fishing rod. Like yeah. there's no way that they could have gotten out of that without giving Prez back. And the reason it was zero dollars. Now they're in the non compete clause where they obviously can't open up another sports book. They're not going to be allowed to. But what I think is probably the bigger problem for Barcel right now is that they can't advertise other sports books on their content which was of course a big revenue driver not big for them the revenue driver sure now this is where you know i appreciate you you landing that point because this is where we're at today on august 10th 2023 dave portnoy and all the twitter threads that are congratulating him for the most legendary business move of all time 100 percent like he cashed out everyone on his team cashed out and he literally got the business back but he is going to be left at a at a very interesting point because mm-hmm. as as two people running sports media companies on you know a slightly different scale than Barstool, we know how important this sports gaming space is to keeping the lights on, to doing all this stuff. So when all that money was flowing in, you could do all these podcasts that were that weren't maybe sports for Barstool, that were you know just trying to grow content. They're investing in content, they're hiring, and the salaries get higher, and they're you know they're making all these investments you strip that sports betting revenue out from them and that's going to leave serious serious damages so now he's going to have two choices number one he can self-fund and that's where his legendary move becomes the dollar auction theory do you know what that is no dollar auction uh there's a bid for a dollar i start at five cents you go to 10 cents but whoever loses their money goes in the pot so if we get to, so if you bid ninety five cents for the dollar and I bet uh, and I bid a dollar, you're in for ninety five cents, right? So what are you going to do? You're going to bid one hundred five. So now we're pay. It's the sunk cost theory too. So my he's either going to have to sink money into something that might not be sustainable and hope that he gets I don't know investors if he wants investors or he's just going to throw all that cash in or this is where it hits the little creator. He's gonna have to lay off like oh, that, all the fat, like trim that, all the fat. That I think is a fact. Right. I, I think basically, if if uh, if Barcel has the, the the direction I see them going, um, is Prez is coming back in there with a very clear mindset of like I need to lead Barcel back to what it was yes. three four years ago. Right. You can even just tell from the clips that like surface on Barcel now. It's all these like lower level creators that feel like super entitled, and yeah. they're like, I'm part of Barcel, therefore I should be making all this money and stuff. Prez is going to come back in there, and if they have 150 full-time creators, I, I think he probably wipes, like, the bottom 50, bottom 75 Maybe off. Maybe more. Yeah, probably more than that, and, whatever. And, and that's why I say today he he's the man. And if he does it's that, too, similar to Elon. Listen, the, right? the, the way the reason, it's just gonna the look reason I'm, like, a fan of Barcel right now, or it's not a good move for them, but I believe in them long-term in the fact that, like, it's two steps forward or two steps backwards, and, and it'll eventually look like a three-step forward game yes. for him it's a different mindset for Prez now because he probably was like I get to vacation for the rest of my life yeah. and now he's like now nah, I gotta work my dick off for yeah. the rest of my life again but I, I feel like he was kind of built for that and putting him as an underdog just sounds it, it's crazy like I would never bet against him and I think he'll trim the fat I think they'll put their head down I think they'll work their face off to get back to the content game again and then they'll build up like I said in my Twitter thread CPG the, yeah. they will they will they will if right now they put out a hundred different podcasts and like 20% of the podcasts account for like 
you know, 90% of the downloads and, and shit like that. probably even less, right? Yeah, it's probably you, like 5% of the podcast. Exactly, yeah, point taken. It's just yeah. they'll trim all the ones that don't really matter, and then they'll focus so heavily into those ones and making sure that they have yeah. product, their own individual product, so that they don't necessarily need to rely on, you know, DraftKings and FanDuel and those kind of sponsorships. But even if they can build those products, mm-hmm. the margin on them is, you know, you got to sell – uh, you got to sell, let's see, if, but you I make, wonder, if you make $7 a t-shirt, right? You got to sell. I'm not even talking about merch though. Think about like, okay. No, no, I know. But even if you're, even if like you're liquor. selling C4, all right, liquor, let's say they make uh per case of high noon, they make $12. Like you still have to sell 30 cases of high noon to just make what getting but, one but I guess sports better. My, my question is, I don't actually know how this works, but like, okay, so a big liquor company, right? Like uh, the Rocks Liquor or whatever yeah. can sell for half a billion dollars or yes. something like that. No, they I do can wonder. Build the brand. I do wonder if um, if that is going to be part of their game plan going forward. Like, of course, if, if they take investment money into Barcel or if they sell Barcel, whatever, same thing, they will have to give fifty percent to Penn. But I wonder if 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 they do build out a liquor and then sell half the liquor if that goes to Penn as well, because I think that could be a long term game plan. I do think it's going to be a, a long a yeah. long thing for them. Like, it's going to take a minute for them to get back to like a really stable spot, but. I have no doubt that they're going to be able to do it. I think that, yeah, they obviously have, have a lot it of It has to tools. go back to high quality and then yeah. build step by step again. Yeah. Brick by so, brick. Yes. So today, like I said, mm-hmm. Portnoy looks great. And if he clears house, which I do think is unfortunately the right thing to do, but this is where it affects the smaller creators. Right? Like the, their company kind of went awry when he stopped having his hand in everything yeah. and he stopped yeah. being the leader in there. And this mm-hmm. brings him back. Like I. Well, well, I don't even want to say it went awry because the. From a content perspective, maybe, but from a business perspective, if you have that funding, you're fine. Yeah. If you are playing in the sports betting space, that's just, it's a high value space to play in. If you remove that from the equation, and then the biggest question for me is like, he's, he said his entire life that sports betting is what he wanted this company to be about. Mm-hmm. So obviously they'll still do stuff around sports betting. We don't have the length of the non-compete though, too. So it's, that too. it's tough to kind of know like what the actual yeah. game plan is with it. So let's move on to ESPN. Now, what, you know, my initial thoughts on ESPN were that this is a slam dunk because the McAfee deal and everyone I had talked to behind the scenes had told me McAfee is likely going to get even a cut of a, of a big sports betting deal on the way. So they're clearly working on this. But now, knowing that ESPN uh, does not have incentive, and that's what's been reported and what I've seen for the, for the most part, because they are non-exclusive, that's been publicly announced, this seems like maybe not as exciting of a deal for, for Penn because the problem with Barstool Sportsbook is that the product was garbage. They wouldn't take any bets, and the actual application was almost unusable. Yep. They're just going to rebrand the sportsbook. You're working with a legacy media company who doesn't move quickly, too much red tape. And to me, like outside of McAfee, you got the Stephen A. Smith parlay, and I don't know who who's really going to be tailing that. So you know what's kind of crazy? I don't remember if I told you this or not, but I was on a because uh, we so we have our deal with Mojo as our exclusive sports book for the year. That mm-hmm. deal expires at the end of this month, so we're kind of like weighing our options on what we want to do for the year going forward. I was on a call with someone from Barstool like a week ago to see <laughs> if we can partner with them in their sports book. Yeah, like the call went really well, but like not no hint of this. I'm sure they didn't know about it because yeah. like. I'm, 
probably some couldn't people say know. Some people. Know. Yeah, but whoever I was talking to, I'm yeah. assuming didn't because we wouldn't have had the conversation <laughs> in the first place. Yeah. Uh, but I thought like they were going to be a partner, and then like three days later, I'm like, oh, they don't even have a sportsbook anymore. <laughs> Sick. Um, so ESPN. So I, I think like the tough part about this, I've been in social enough that like when things big things happen and people have these opinions and takes on things, it's almost always wrong because yeah. they don't have the full context of it. So I hesitate to like really give a, a strong take on anything because ESPN doesn't have incentive towards it. Like Penn only gets their name, but there are probably so many fine details. Like they mm-hmm. get access to the, the employees. Maybe. The we talent. don't know yet. We don't know yet. They, I'm, sh- I'm sure they wouldn't make the deal if, if not. The not talent. if it's not exclusive. Like – that's the thing. Uh, well, I know they get access to the talent. Did yeah. you listen to Joe? Uh, P, uh, Joe Pomp. No, he I did haven't. a full podcast yeah. about it. And he talked about it. they have access to talent. What that means in terms of volume, I have no idea. Yeah. What they're planning on doing with it, I have no idea. It also could mean like, okay, they're not exclusive, but we also don't know the fine print. What if it's like we actually get 80% of your For sport? Sure. You know what For I mean? Sure. Like we don't know those things. So like people want to read kind of yeah. headlines and throw it out. So I don't want to like judge on it. I'm, it felt like based on if you if you knew the prior history, if you didn't know the prior history of any three of these companies... The day of it happening, I think all three sides win. Yes, based and, on like and three that days was ago. My when it was yeah, my initial take was that it is a it's an incredible move by ESPN because as much as people do not want to give value to ESPN is headed in the wrong direction. You you are pairing the name of ESPN and that red logo carries a ton of weight. You then go and complete that with someone who had the largest sports betting affiliate deal of all time and Pat McAfee and, and his crew. And then you partner that with, does you know, ESPN access. not have stock in Penn now? Maybe they do. I, th- I think maybe that maybe might, yeah, I that, think that would make, make sense. Cause yeah. like if, if ESPN bet doesn't yeah, work, then, I feel then like it would that, hurt. That, that might've been part of it or yeah. They See, cause that stock. would be incentive then yeah, for ESPN sure. to make sure that the product is good. Sure. There's no doubt. And, and I don't think ESPN, while it is a long ass deal, it's a full decade for a company like ESPN who, and Disney who's trying to be here for centuries you know, they don't want to underdeliver, And that has been the reporting is that ESPN has not been a good acquisition partner for, you know, some of the partners they've worked with in the past. So I, I am excited to I'm see I'm excited how it too. All plays I'm, I'm out. really excited. Overall, like, yeah. I don't think there was the, any the clear one, loser. The one issue is, like, if, if, if what happens is really just like Penn uses ESPN's logo and retools the same thing and they just give everyone the same, same game parlay. I'll tell you what like, does kind of make me nervous suck. is like they're, it's going to be live this fall. I'm like, dude, it's already August, which yeah. means, and, and we know possible. like tech things, right, that, right, dev things right. take so, so long to build correctly. And I'm like, the more, if they're really going to get this live by NFL kickoff, <laughs> it's, it's going to be, they're swapping, they're logos. swapping logos that's, and that's, that's going to be a my, problem. Yes, yeah. That, so, uh, that that's interesting. That's, that's that is my fear. If you really read in between the lines, there's definitely questions to be had. We'll see how it plays out. On the surface, I, it's exciting. It's fun because how big of a sports better are you? Like not actually putting action. Very now, social. Yeah. Social's better. So fun like, with friends and we're like betting on something. Yeah, I, don't I like out of my genuinely way to do it enjoy like sports betting. I think it's fun. Looking for edges. Like sometimes just throwing random shit down. Um, also, shout out to the intern. <laughs> Fucking give him his flowers, dude. <laughs> he hit a sixty-four dollar into thirty-seven thousand dollar parlay on four home run hitters. It was insanity. But I feel like uh, your brother stays hitting those. He's we, hit, how many five-figure bets has he hit? We, At least like three, right? We've hit we've hit uh, five um, in in the last like six. Does he months. bet super it's, high volume? Like, uh, is his he, ROI really high? No, based on those. No, no, no. I mean, he does. He, he'll do that every once in a while. But like, that's the thing. If you hit one for thirty-seven k, 
Good for like the year, yeah. You better be good for the yeah, year. <laughs> you really better be good for the year. I don't even remember what I was talking about before that. Well, but you were, you were just saying, shout out the intern. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's move along to uh, something that's way more relevant to Nick and I and to, to a lot of people in the fantasy industry. Underdog or under daddy, as I like to call them. They are both, you know, fantasy partners of Nick and I, big partners with them. We do a lot of work together. We love the underdog team. And yesterday, a couple days after the ESPN Penn Barstool situation, Jeremy Levine, co-founder, or sorry, founder and co-CEO, put out a tweet thread about, um, you know, FanDuel and DraftKings having back back room meetings about, you know, some, some different stuff. If you're kind of aware of what they would be doing, and then Jeremy also put out kind of not a press release, but a blog, of uh, a nicely written blog. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah, yeah, at the bottom of the thread. And, and so essentially what this is about is Underdog is a fantasy sports platform. DraftKings and FanDuel are sports betting licensed platforms, right? And, and there's levels to that, what each can do, what taxes each pays. It's the reason and, why some, yeah, it's the reason why... So as I understand it, there's like DFS, there is sportsbook, and there's fantasy games. Like there are Correct. three different yes. types of licenses that go around in each state, and each state has different rules for each of them, which is why you might live in a state that you're allowed to do fantasy games and you're allowed to do sportsbook, but not DFS or vice versa. It's a very, very strange, weird, regulated industry right now. And so what is ironic about this is Jeremy's been in this space for over a decade, had immense success and has been, you know, on the cutting edge of helping DraftKings and FanDuel, you know, when, when it went to courts, when all these big lawsuits about monopolies and whether fantasy should be legal and helped lobby for FanDuel and DraftKings and to, to literally create the space that we're in today. And so you know, what's shitty to hear is that a decade later, because FanDuel and DraftKings, and we live in this capitalistic society, are trying to maintain their market share and maybe are a little fearful of what the sleeper underdog... Well, let's, let's talk know, about why. Let's talk about why. Yeah. So underdog uh, yeah. gained rapid popularity through its game best ball, yes. which is clearly like you're drafting the best ball team. I'm sure you guys, if you're in the audience listening to this, you played before. They introduced their pick'em slips last yeah. year, two years ago, yes. which is basically you need to choose two players and then you're doing the higher or lower on their on fantasy projection points, fantasy on their projected projection, fantasy yeah. points for the week so i believe DraftKings and FanDuel like they're lobbying saying that this is actually a way to get around the sportsbook law and not yes. have sportsbook licenses in it but by the actual interpretation of law it's two players from two different teams competing and it is a game of skill it is very much within the confines but what jeremy brought to light that i think maybe I was aware of, but I wouldn't expect the majority of people to be aware of is that it makes sense and it's not shocking, but FanDuel and DraftKings have been lobbying behind closed doors to literally like, we're now talking not like Twitter fingers. We're talking like politicians and, and real money stuff here where they're trying to get this essentially shut down. And, and while underdog has been, public about opening a sports book in the future while their best ball game is wildly successful. Maybe they would have a chance if this got shut down, but a game like prize picks that it has no plans to do that. And they are just in this pick space or some of the others. It, it is, it is seriously concerning, but the crappy part is that Jason Robbins, who's the CEO of DraftKings, tweeted that they are excited for competition, you know, 
only a month ago today. They're excited to have the same competition that they've had for 15 years, FanDuel. <laughs> exactly. The, the competition they once tried, you know, joining up forces with. So, Jeremy then, you know, kind of pulled pulled a trick out of my bag, which is just go go trolling and quote tweeted the competition tweet. And, you know, he, he even said now he's gone on record that he would have an, a very open conversation with Jason and DraftKings or I'm sure the team at, at FanDuel as well. I, I love it because it sucks. And the last thing I'll say is Jeremy, like genuinely, like very genuinely just wants to make this space better. Of course, there's money involved. Like he's trying to build a company and and hopefully underdog IPOs one day and all this exciting stuff. But like genuinely, when he talks about the product, he wants to build something. So when I sit down and watch the preseason games tonight, like I'm going to have more fun because I can play on these apps. I also like having money on, on these, you know, apps as well. So what are your, what are your thoughts? Well, it, I think one of the takeaways here is like you have DraftKings and FanDuel as these monopolies who have like dominated the space. Yeah. And the reason that they're starting to lob, you don't get defensive yeah. unless there's a reason to be defensive, unless there's truth to it or unless someone's coming for the throne here. And you have the companies like Underdog, Prize Picks, and Sleeper starting to rapidly take market share for this very popular industry. Rapidly. Like let's just It's be enough clear. for them to be concerned. Yes. They're they are concerned because the you know, whatever. I don't need to get into the, the business model of underdog, but FanDuel DraftKings are still holding eighty five percent of the market. So it is it is not like But this is how these things happen. It's 100%. Like, you know, they're hundred percent, then they're ninety, then they're eighty five, yep. then yep. they're seventy eight, you know, and it's just a, mm-hmm. a matter of time. So they get concerned with it. And I think like the beautiful part about all these business models is kind of like getting the customers on to the platform for an extremely low-priced CPA cost per acquisition because they have this secondary piece of value, whether it's best ball for underdog or just fantasy in general for sleeper. And I think FanDuel and DraftKings had every bit of leverage to do something innovative and almost put themselves out of business in a sense, right? Like Gary, they were a talk- fantasy company first. Yeah, <laughs> they, they could. FanDuel bought best ball. I they saw, literally I bought saw, best ball from Jeremy and, and then, then shut, shut it down. down so. I saw a best ball commercial yeah. for um, like a TV commercial that was DraftKings like, is, is DraftKings. I think it might've been yeah. like Yahoo too. Okay. And I'm like, Oh, now they're all seeing the importance yeah. of best ball. And it's like, it's something Gary V always says. He's like in, in a, in a world that changes so rapidly, with engaging with the customer and the consumer, like you have to be able to put yourself out of business. If you came up via blogging or podcasting, you have to have the, rather than getting mad at people doing YouTube, you have to be the one to do YouTube to put your old self out of business. And these companies fail to do so. And now they're going through the legal avenues to try to shut down. the That's the shame is like, you know, we love to talk about capitalism in America, the American dream. And it's like, we're in a free market. Anyone could win. But but in this situation, There's so much money going. We're around. playing by the rules here, and you're telling me that you're going to pay someone off. So actually, not anyone could win. It's just whoever has the most money, and that's that's just the genuine shame. And that's not to say it doesn't happen all over the you know the country and doesn't happen before. But you know, you talk about Portnoy. I I'm not betting against Jeremy either. So no, no, that, ab- definitely not. That, you I, don't want to get him motivated either. You know, you you might have pissed off the wrong person. I mean, the whole reason that the name. Of the fucking company underdog <laughs> exactly who's so, shooting for him yeah I, I don't know again i don't know like a lot of the context behind 
the legal situation and when we were playing ball last night you guys were like talking about it i was like oh i didn't even know this was like a thing i just yeah. retweeted no, I, I, it feels I, like jeremy kind of does this every like six eight months where he just like this one's kinda... different but okay. yeah i, I, I no, couldn't I, tell to be honest i genuinely admire the the world you live in which is like you're just head down focused on your own stuff and you know ignorance and, is bliss but i will say you know to this is the point of the podcast the point of the show is to help newer creators and and this could also be a major ripple effect for them so like, if so if say let's just say for yeah. talking purposes right like that that would be a major hit to your business for sure because you guys bring in like you and i are both underdog partners yeah. and i think we probably pull in around similar numbers yeah. in terms of cost for acquisition but very different avenues like yeah. we do it a lot through uh, through fantasy yes. through best ball through promoting our draft guide as like incentive for people to get on the platform yep where you are like nailing the pick'em slips throughout the season, bringing mm-hmm. a lot of people in that way, the effect would be uh, assuming that they're still allowed to operate like within best ball and, and that kind right. of stuff. It wouldn't be that big of an impact to us, realistically. It would be huge for you guys. I, I mean, yes and no. Like it would eliminate prize picks, right? So any, I guess, future deals, maybe right? Yeah, future whatever. deals, negotiations. It would be like the running back market, right? right like right, the right. market, the market ceiling would be much lower. On top of that. We just, I don't. We just gotta perform like fucking. Saquon. I don't. I don't want to say that underdog would like shut down if they lost Pickham, but they have to pivot in some way. It would be a huge pivot, and you know they'd either have to make that jump for sportsbook probably a little earlier than they would like, and so and also I think the CPA by the way of best ball is also blended into the CPA of Pickham, so mm-hmm. that CPA would drop significantly for us. Yeah, I mean. The, the thing is, we could then move on to a sports book and work with sports books where we're licensed to be an affiliate. The issue, though, is if if DraftKings and FanDuel shut down prize picks, underdog, sleeper, chalkboard, you know, everyone is launching pick them these days, then there's only like four sports books to work with. So maybe we would have an opportunity to work with someone else, but I don't want to think about that. And honestly, I don't think we need to think about that. This seems like, you know... I, this legal stuff goes on for years and years and years. So yeah, that's why I I can't imagine they're shutting it down. That's why I didn't really take it that seriously because it just feels like, you know, the whole like, Oh, TikTok's getting shut down every three months. We hear something serious. And every time it's like, no, this one feels this, this." but this is the first time that he's kind of come out publicly and said something. So, well, I love the, I love the fucking approach. I feel like having a leader come out and yeah, be like open and transparent about things really humanizes the company and like wants you want to root for them. hundred percent. Realistically. So I think, Jeremy, there are under keep yelling, keep yelling, and we'll keep retweeting. <laughs> um, all right, that is that's the first half of the show, which is all the sports betting, sports gaming space. So we're going to move into the second half of the show. Start off with something that happened in New York City. Maybe you can share the story of Kai Sanat's. You were here, right? You got off the subway at Union Square, and, oh, yeah. and what'd you say? So we were actually we were doing the underdog cardio club thing. Um, shout out to Pete, great job hosting that thing. We're coming back from Brooklyn, and we were taking a subway that I don't usually ever get off at Union uh, Union Square. For whatever reason, I had to go back to my apartment, so I was like, this is the closest one. I walked out of the subway, and there's like 10 cops coming through the turnstile. And I was like, oh, maybe. I, I figured, like, and then I got up the stairs, and, like, the energy was extremely chaotic. Mm-hmm. And there was mad people there. And I'm like, maybe I just haven't been here in a while. And, like, kids after school, like, hang out here because <laughs> yeah. it was a very young demographic. Yeah. 
And then I was like, all the cops and stuff, I kind of just figured there was maybe like a stabbing or a shooting and they were like looking for the suspect. Right. But like the more I walked around, I was like looking for a bike rack and it was like kids just running everywhere and like shit was really hectic. Yeah. I didn't know what was going on. Then I searched Twitter and I saw that there was like all these like bird angle shots of, of the madness going on. People just getting like fucking beaten, yeah, whatever. Yeah. So his influencer, this Twitch streamer was like wildly popular, basically just announced that he was doing a computer giveaway or something at Union Square in New York City. And thousands and thousands of kids just like showed up and it turned into basically just like a riot yeah. where there was a lot of innocent bystanders, whether they were running businesses in the area or people just there, you know, getting in fights and, and, and whatnot. Um, it just turned into madness. And it's like, I, I don't know if I have a takeaway from it. Yeah, I have two. I have two. So AMP is uh, a group and you could think about it like if you guys remember the hype house from TikTok, like AMP is a house that all these big streamers live in and they're a crew and Kai is, you know, the most notable of, of the group. Did the PS5 giveaway in Union Square, maybe didn't think through it all fully and the whole AMP crew pretty much ended up in jail for, for a couple nights because they incited a riot and, you know, really created a dangerous spot my initial reaction before i kind of you know saw all the mayhem ensue was like look at the power of creator i'm I gonna mean, be honest holy yeah. shit looking at he it literally shut down new york city for i'd have done PS5 the same thing giveaway. to be honest with you yeah. like that that's like a reckless decision that i, I wasn't here make. either i was i was overseas so i wasn't thinking or, or seeing everything in real time um but secondly i do think there's obvious there's an obvious responsibility as a creator sure. to you know destroying does an incredible job putting on these one-on-one -on -one events and he gets hundreds and hundreds of people out but he's got security he's got fences He's got systems in place and you do have to, you, you can't just go, right? You can't just say, Hey, let's do this. Once you're at that scale, because that, that impacts other people. It creates a very dangerous environment. Plenty of people got injured and got hurt. I, I don't think there are, you know, anything more serious than that, but for, you know, bad stuff aside, like the power of creator is, is just insanity. And my last takeaway is like, I really hope the Knicks never win the win the NBA oh championship because this city will death rate going to up, the, yeah, to, to the ground. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I I get it because it's just like you want to do exciting shit. It's like yeah. you have a lot of momentum, and his intention obviously wasn't bad, but it, it turned. Great, yeah. This will be like an eye opening thing for the large scale creators, understanding that if is there has there been any any more like legal action towards him? Do you know? I don't think so. It seems like once they did their time which I, d I haven't actually seen if they spent nights in jail, but now they're out and everything's kind of calmed down. Yeah, I mean, to shut down New York City is... I, I don't... Like, if Jalen Brunson was like, yo, I'm popping out to Union Square, like, nah. it would the city would not... <laughs> no offense to Jalen. Like, it, it would not shut down. Like, he wants to play on West 4th Street, and, you know, it'll draw a crowd, but it will not become a riot. Like, this, we're talking the top 1%. I don't really know how many A-list celebrities could shut down, you know... It's got to be a the, demographic thing. It is. It is. And and that is the vibe of it all was yeah. to kind of create chaos. For it was sure. all like high school kids yeah. when I went out there. And I was yeah. like, I feel like I'm going to get beaten up at like yeah. any, by a group of 14 year olds. <laughs> I would have gone back point. down. Just, <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> Taking it to the next stop. <laughs> We've we've I've been teasing the the podcast, but officially launched Punchline with Marlon Humphrey. If you guys uh, missed that announcement, Marlon is signed on to. 
be a part of of the squad at Snapback Sports. We launched a weekly show with him called Punchline. First episode will be going live approximately August twenty fourth. Going down. You to guys Baltimore. are jumping right into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we've been building on it, and we want to get. We the goal is to get three live. So August twenty fourth, September something, and then film one episode actually here in New York because uh, they get a few off days before the season starts, and then we wanted three episodes before we get going. You guys we'll filming here. No, uh, maybe. We yeah, have, you're we, yeah, we haven't figured it out yet. But uh, we'll film every Monday after the you know the day after the game. Go live on Wednesday. Hopefully, get some big guests. Really, excited. So you're going to be going down to Baltimore every Monday. Yeah, I'm taking the train. You know, like eight thirty nine a.m. Get there, set up. You know, I'll have everything, uh, the show notes and everything ready to go. We'll film for an hour or so, and then you know, I'll just like on the way back be marking what we want to clip. You know, what you know, PR to do around it, what outlets to hit to make sure that we hit the right spot. So I'm excited. Like I've been teasing on here for a minute. The thought process is like athlete-driven podcasts have, have been massively successful. And, and so after we launched it, I took a step back, and I was like, I, I wonder why. Um, and during the process, I've been thinking, like, why this is so exciting for us. And it's because as a 12-year-old kid, as a sports fan, like, all we ever wanted was, like, like what do these guys do? Like, what, what is an NFL player's life like? So then you get social media and get these little bite-sized clips, but, like, actually getting to hear their thoughts – and athlete-driven pods are having major success, but then we have, like, a mood board, and we track, like, all the different ones. A large majority of them are actually NBA ones and basketball ones. So the fact that we're going to have access to Marlin on the Ravens, one of the hottest teams in the league this season, whether or not they play well, but from a media perspective, Odell, Lamar, you know, even Dobbins is making noise for the Ravens right now, <laughs> is going to be super unique. Underdog's launching, I think, by the time this goes out. Actually, it will be live, but they're going live with Colt McCoy, which is going to be fucking sick. So really? Josh replaced Josh McCown with Colt McCoy, who is the quarterback for the yeah. Cardinals. So they're going to do more, like, hard X and O's. So you'll get that. You'll obviously get the Kelsey podcast. You'll get McAfee, who's retired. You'll get I Am Athlete. But, like, we have thrust ourselves into a, you know, a really serious opportunity here. So very excited. And then, obviously, as a Ravens fan, like, what a what cool. a dream for me. So we're pumped about it. Um, if anyone has questions about, like, more of the business side of it, feel free to ask in the comments comment sections and on next episode we'll be happy to share everything that i can i would love to just fully lay out the details i i unfortunately cannot do that but you know we can talk in generalities or if people want to know how the deal developed or how you know a studio setup looks like what equipment to get you know different stuff like that uh definitely open to sharing i have um man i have a lot of points and or questions here first yeah. thing I, I think it's cool like you you mentioned the 12 year old you wanted access to athletes. Yeah. What I think is so cool and transferring over to the way culture works nowadays is like business people mm -hmm. and like entrepreneurs or like CEOs, et cetera, are almost culturally as impactful as athletes nowadays. Maybe not that level, but like yeah, yeah. the top tier ones are, are definitely like well known, which is why I think someone like Jeremy, you know, if he had a podcast and he's like kind of just talking about the decisions made throughout yep. underdog and stuff yep. would be such a drawing thing because kids that are 12 and, and nine and 10 or whatever, they want to be YouTubers. They want to be TikTokers or whatever, mm -hmm. which is why I feel like podcasts like this and just, you know, I listen to a ton of podcasts where it's just two smart ass people that run businesses talking <laughs> yeah. and I love to hear their point of views on it. And it's fun that athletes are now kind of opening themselves up to this as like the podcast world expands. And, um, 
I, I think the takeaway here is like anything that becomes culturally popular, people want access to it. Yeah. Right. And it, it'll ebb and, ebb and flow. What's what's popular and what's not athletes, I think will always be popular businessmen probably will now that we have kind of like unfiltered access to it. Yeah. So that, that's really fun. And I think with Marlon himself, I follow him on Twitter now. Now he's like a, a really good personality. I'm sure yeah. you guys will mesh well. And just on like, I don't, I don't think I really asked you this yet. And you've mm-hmm. come to me for help for minor things, but like, if you need help with that, I know it's like, a, yeah. it's a huge focus for you. And you know, besides like promotion or whatever, but if you actually need help with anything, let me know. Appreciate um, it. Do you have any goals going into it? Mm-hmm. Not like necessarily like views or whatever is, is your goal to go into it just to like, have fun with it and kind of see where the brand awareness goes or do you have anything like really high level that you're looking to fucking nail? That's a really good question. I, my feeling and no, to answer the question, no, we do not have goals. Maybe we should be setting goals. The one goal that I have set is I think within the first month or not, I think I've set a goal. I want to be top five on sports on the podcasting within the first month. Now, Obviously, you want to sustain, and maybe it starts slower, so who knows if we hit that goal, but that is a goal that if you look at the podcast chart, it's dead part of summer, but Mm -hmm. it it feels attainable. Like, you know, you get maybe even one big guest in those first few episodes, and you're off and running. Outside of that, the first season's goal is to just become, it's to build Marlon's profile and to establish him as someone who is not only an all-pro cornerback, but he is a legitimate personality who people want his thoughts, not only his thoughts, but like think he's funny, think he's an incredible personality. I've gotten to spend time with him. I've engaged with him on social for years. He's just like, the world needs to know about him because I think he's a special talent like that. So that that's the like big overarching goal. More specifically, in year one of doing it, I just want to create like super premium, good, feel good content and give ultimate access to fans. I want to try an exercise with you real yeah. quick. One of the things I'm starting to believe more and more is that anytime you launch something new, you should have some sort of headline. And I think we've talked about this. I think mm-hmm. when you're when you're starting something, and I've only really narrowed it down to two adjectives, and maybe there's one or two other ones you could throw into there. But I think if your game plan or your you know mission statement, your company, whatever mission is to be the first or to be the best at something, and the more specific you get, I think the more likely it is for you to hit that goal. If you had to narrow this podcast or this venture into either the best or the first, which direction would you go in? And I guess why? Okay. I would go with the best access to the NFL. That that would be the the goal and intention is that we're not I mean, we're not the first athlete podcast. We're not the first to offer access. And like I'll be very transparent in that, like the Kelsey's podcast is to me, more of like a trailblazer than McAfee. McAfee, I don't really think of his show as a podcast. So like you it's can, a live show. I, so like we'll be on YouTube and everything too, but that that's a different bucket. Like I think of that's who I want to unseat as like the the in football, you know, that's who I'm focused on. And while I think those two are fucking fantastic together and I give them so much credit and the team at Wave for like everything that they do. I don't think that their content necessarily gives us like the level of access that let's say quarterback does. Um, And even quarterback is only surface level of, you know, what that is. I genuinely want to know like what is going through every single, I just, I just want it all like put, put, put it on the table. And so 
yeah, that that's like where I want. If you're listening to the show, I want you to be like, I literally cannot hear these thoughts or get this access anywhere else. So the best access in the NFL. Best access in the NFL. I almost think, I think that's a good start for sure. I think the more you can narrow it down and the more specific, because you could say like, okay, we can't just say we we're the best NFL player podcast because like the Kelsey's are are there, but you can say I'm the, we're the best fan athlete creator podcast. Well, well, we are the first creator athlete podcast there you go and i think uh, i mean you know roan has a personality part like that's it for football, sure football though yeah the sure. first you know what i mean like yeah. I, I think the more you narrow that down and really like zone into who I, you guys are i opt out of the idea of of using first at, as a headline and a pr statement sure it's exciting but like i don't think it's it's you're the first okay but if the second's better than you the first doesn't really matter outside of that headline so that's why i favor like the best uh, no well, it's more. more from like it's more from having the mindset of being innovative. Yeah, it, that, it's not that, necessarily that, like I'm striving true. to be the first. It's more like I'm super proud to be the fucking first one to bring this to yeah. people. And and to be completely honest, and I I don't know, I'm not under NDA or anything, but there there were very strong rumors that, and it might still happen, that Destroying and Justin Jefferson were going to launch a show together Damn. as well. Okay, <laughs> and so going at it, even if we prepared all this and we we're like we're going to be first. And then... Well, then first... Uh, yeah, first doesn't have we, to be it. Then, right. th- then it could definitely yeah. be, like, the best. But I think you need to narrow down. When you say, yeah. like, access, I think if we can get more specific sure. with, like, what the actual and, access and is. Th- and it's a, it's a great point because I can share, if you guys know maybe more in the weeds of Snapback Sports, we did a Snapback Sports podcast with my best friend Abe for four years, and we record twice a week, and we recently winded that down. The timing looks like we winded it down to start this. It wasn't. It was because after the four years, we kind of recognized we didn't really have that angle, right? We weren't the first, and we definitely weren't the best uh, in any bucket. And when you look at any of the buckets, it's like humor. Okay, part of my take is definitely the humor sports podcast. We weren't doing in-depth analysis. We were kind of just doing everything, but all at a very average level. And so here, it would be, I would agree, very easy to just be like, we're, we're one of three football athlete-driven podcasts. And I do think that will carry, a, you know, that will hopefully set a floor to some degree. But the aspiration is we want to be the best and offer the most access. And what I mean by that access is like, all right, J.K. Dobbins is out, right? Like, tell us what the fuck's going on, you know. Is he's going to do that? He's, this is the thing. He's very unfiltered. Okay. So what that means from... You know, of course, he will probably protect his teammates because he's also extremely focused on winning a Super Bowl, which mm-hmm. which makes the whole thing, you know, exciting and also from a content perspective, tricky as well. Um, but you know, how do you spend your money is is extremely interesting to me. In you know, I'm sure pocket watching will be you know the top comment. But like, I've always wondered, you're on a hundred million dollar contract. What is that like? Yeah. Like, and and even even learning about you know we get seventeen paychecks throughout the season. We don't get paid for the other thirty five weeks, and you know stuff like that is interesting to me. And I'm just ho- like GQ does a really awesome one where it's like how do you spend your first million, and they mm-hmm. do it with athletes. So fascinating to me. And so how do we get you know stuff like that? And and so when I talk about that access, I want that to extend to guests as well. I do want to ask like the hard questions to these athletes and you know i want marlon you know one of the uh things on the script for for our pilot is like trayvon diggs called dak like 
yeah, I don't want to curse, but he had some choice words for him. And I, I want to be like, so you're the star corner on your team. One, do you think that, like, what do you think about that? And two, would you ever say that to Lamar? And, like, maybe he opts for the funnier route, mm-hmm. but I, I do want to just have those conversations because we speculate about it all all day on X, um, and I want to hear it from, from the athlete themselves. You know, I was thinking about that you just said X when I tweeted out the basketball clip this morning, and I was like, please, please don't retweet this. I'm like, do we, is it a new word now? Re, like, re-X this? He changed it. It's repost. Oh. Yeah, it's okay. repost. It's post, not yeah. re-X. Okay. Yeah. I didn't realize that. Yeah, quote, quote posts, or I, I don't know what quote actually is, but yeah, so. No, dude, that, that's really exciting. As long yeah. as he's willing to, like, really open up about it, you guys will be, like, the first NFL podcast that, yeah. that focuses on lifestyle as much as the yeah. opening up about the game as well. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. So first episode, we can expect what you say, August. August twenty fourth is is the plan. So that's the plan we're going with. You know, other side story, kind of, because you just um, yeah. it just popped into my head because August twenty fifth is the start of the draft weekend, and we yeah. have the Airbnb down there. Did I tell you about this with Jeremy? Down where? Lower East Side. Oh, oh, oh. Not uh, in Baltimore. no, not with Jeremy. So <laughs> yeah, so like the the Airbnb is really nice place, huge, and um, we rented it out for a weekend, obviously. The Airbnb, though, at this point, they don't really rent it out residentially. Yeah. I just know the owner from last time I was there, so he allowed me to do it not through Airbnb. Mm-hmm. They only rent it out to, like, people who are staying really long visits, like, pretty popular people. They had, yeah. uh, like, Skrillex and uh, Fred again stay there for a month last summer, but mostly commercial shoots. So companies will do shoots yeah. in it because it's, like, a kind of exotic interior. So um, we have it for the weekend because I know the guy, but... Jeremy texts me and because he was looking for a place. Right? Jeremy, so he tweeted out a few days earlier. He was like, "Does anyone know of a place in New York City, or whatever, to you know that I could stay for a month or whatever?" He texts me. He's like, "Really funny, like coincidence. I'm about to like close on this kind of like loft Airbnb place for the month of August, but the owner goes to me. Yeah, there's only like one weekend that you can't be there, and it's just like <laughs> this this guy's coming in and doing like this fantasy football draft weekend or something like that. that and uh, yeah, and I thought it was like hilarious because Jeremy could have just been like, "Yeah, I kind of like." run that fucking company. Right. I'm the one that's paying for it. <laughs> yeah. I can be there, but he has to drink. He has to drink if he's going to be there. And yeah. Have some fun. So, I mean, I invite him to the parties. Yeah. He might be coming through. Um, yeah. I just thought it was like really, really funny. And yeah. it was super Jeremy. If you listen to this for whatever reason, it's extremely unnecessary Airbnb for you to have for the, for an entire month. <laughs> that is extremely up his alley. Though, yeah. hundred so. percent. That was just funny. I think I had, I think I had one thing. Oh, creator payout. Oh, and Alex Earl. I think Alex Earl can wait. I actually want to talk about Alex Earl. Really? I'm not even sure what the context was of your list with her. What's going on with her? Tell okay. me and I'll tell you a take on it. Once again, this is just incredible. Like, you have no clue. Are you talking about the underage kid that she kissed? No. Okay. What are we talking about then? God, you're such a millennial. Alex Earl. So, Alex Bennett, I think is her name. So, call her daddy. Alex. No, not Bennett. Sorry. Alex. Um, Cooper. Cooper, thank you. And Alex Earl. No, no, no. What's the what? what Sophia. Sophia. Okay. So they split. Alex Cooper goes to Spotify. Sixty million dollar deal. Spotify call. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's funny that with this big announcement, they put out a report that like Spotify's done doing stuff like that. But uh, congrats to her on cashing in. But Alex Cooper is now launching a podcast network with which Caller Daddy will be within. Okay. And they signed two people. One. Forgive me for not knowing her name. I think she's British. Super funny girl. The blonde chick? No. That uh, does like she's the interviews. She's brown, brown hair. Okay. No, not not Bobby. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah, that's what I thought you were talking about. And then, uh, then signed Alex Earl. Wow. So they will be doing content, I assume a show, either together or within the network. And this is what we had kind of thought about for a while now. 
which was what long form content, but really like content outside of just get ready's with me could Alex Earl do to keep her on this level. Um, and, and I think, I think this is great because this, this is the thing though, you know, like we just discussed with Barstool, like I would imagine with the ringer and uh, the top X percent of podcasts are the ones that are going to drive 80, 90% of the business. And if they're just going call her daddy, Alex Earl, and this other, other, other girl, like that feels really strong. If they then go into having a hundred podcasts, you know, and building up a network, you know, TBD on how successful that is. But I think amazing move from Alex Cooper and, and, you know, both those. Yeah. I mean, big, big time play. Um, Are there any details of like what Alex Earl's podcast is actually going to be of? No details. The company or network is called Unwell. So they're definitely, you know, quadrupling down on like this sex girl lifestyle podcast um yeah good luck to anyone dating in new york city like uh, once these girls get on the airwaves (laughs) and start talking about how they like you're cooked you're cooked yeah i love like i'll be like walking around these villages and see girls with like a unwell crew neck and i'm just like (laughs) fucking stay on that side of the road um okay so my first few thoughts this is the first time i'm hearing of this so which is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I'm not on TikTok ever anymore okay. consuming except for like reading the comments on our ship. Yeah. So Alex Earl, I, it kind of feels like this might just be, I wonder if they're going to do stuff together. It feels like she's kind of like re trying call her daddy. Mm-hmm. And as much as people want to shit on Alex Cooper, the reason call her daddy was became an elite platform is because she's an elite talent. Like no other way to look at it. Okay. I think the reason that it became so big is because she is incredible on camera and while recording has a ton of actual life experience and was 0% afraid to talk about well, what she was going through. That was like the first thought that popped in my head. And then we talk about the Marlin pot. And it's like, that is what made Caller Daddy successful was right. like, they weren't talking about like vaguely. She was talking about. And people, and, and it, yeah, and people got mad at it, but mm-hmm. it's the reason it got so fucking popular is yeah. because when you get that deep, you're touching on people's experiences in their own life that are yeah. they thought they were like oh i didn't think anybody else went through this she's like i've been all through all this shit over the last 10 yeah. years or whatever and here are my takes on it here's what i should do in that situation i think the reason it got so popular is because she is so fucking good at it i get the idea of like capitalizing on really popular culture and i'm not saying this will fail i just i don't know like alex earl well enough to know if she's yeah i i don't think we've she could do her, her own call her daddy i don't think we've seen her fully in that world i i always say with creators it's like you hit it and you're the it, right? I'll give her a lot of credit. She has sustained that it. Now, this is a very different world that she's going to play in. I think I think it also, if Alex Cooper is as smart as you're giving her credit for, if Alex Earl isn't as talented as her, she'll probably put her, you know, in a position for success where you pair her with someone mm-hmm. where she just ha- she doesn't have to host, she doesn't have to lead. My, my thing is like it's like being in individual like podcaster or yeah. a youtuber I'm, I'm saying this kind of from experience but also from like watching alex cooper do it it's not something that you could just do well because you're popular you know what i mean like it take the, the level of like real commitment to it is it's is, talent you need to be talented at what you're doing a talent takes you far yeah but like really being that person like it needs to be who you are in yeah. order for you yeah, to yeah. get to Alex Cooper's level. And I question whether or not it is Alex Cooper. I'm not saying I, I think she's not it. I just, yeah, we just I don't, don't know. know. I could don't. see her. Couldn't you see her getting on air and just like 
And it's just being like, oh my God, like this is not, you know, like I get 100%. it. She's having conversations I, yeah, yeah, yeah. of things I that are like see, gossipy. I and, could see it going either way. And I agree with you. She's good. She can't go half in. The beauty of this is from what it seems, small network, three, you know, super popular girls. She'll be proud of it. It's not like Spotify gave her a deal and said, yeah. you know, go do your own show over here. Like, and what, what they're already doing is, you know, they're doing the network effect. So they're cross pollinating. So while they have their shows, they, Alex and Alex go out to a bar together and film funny content and it, it all just funnels down to it. Yeah, so, I, it's going to make a splash immediately. The, yeah. I'm just saying if the product is not there for the first three to five episodes, like the drop off is going to be fucking real. Yeah. I don't think people are going to follow just because she's Alex Earl anymore. Here's, <sighs> the, the one trigger is that she should be able to get most guests. Like, yeah. Like, and even though Alex Cooper's done a great job of getting guests, and I feel like she's actually gotten a lot of male guests recently that have been super interesting. Like, she could, get, and you're also not thinking about, like, the college crowd. Like, she's probably their, their it person. Yeah, I, get, yeah. I, I know. I just, like, I don't know. They're, and it's going to run through, like, the the TikTok clips, clips TikTok. are going to be, it'll be similar to Nell. Like I was just Nelk, about to bring up Nell. Right. Like, I feel dumber after every clip I watch. Every every question they ask, <laughs> no, seriously, they, yeah, they, yeah. they've never asked, a, uh, like, a non-service level question. Right. Everything is just like, do you get, like, DMs from chicks? <laughs> or it, It's always like, how much money did you make on this deal? It's, it's so fucking, like, yeah robotic and i'm like these are and, horrible pieces and they're of doing like 1.8 million yeah. an episode so yeah. that maybe uh, yeah yeah i i, I don't but, know but purely off the guess like yeah. when it's not a guest episode and it's just them talking to each other yeah it's not it's like, it's like what's the craziest thing you ever did at a party it's like dude are you like you got you right. have a 12 year old writing your show script you literally have elon musk like sitting there and you're asking him you know <laughs> that's like uh do you see the thing between like andrew schultz yeah. and nelk yeah and andrew schultz was and I had thought about this like way longer. I'm like, I can't watch their clips. But Andrew Schultz was like, every question was like, they didn't know who I was coming on. I'm yeah. like, this is insane. Like yeah. the, the level of not yeah. being prepared for it. So I don't know. Um, I guess I'm most interested to see if it takes away from other content. Because again, I think if, if you're in Alex Earl's position, like I'm going into this being like, this is now almost my full-time job. Like yeah. I'm putting all my energy into this to make sure I don't flop mm -hmm. on this because mm -hmm. this could be the actual sustainable thing, yes. which is... yes. Which kind of goes to the other point of what I was going to bring up with Alex Earl was like there was a little bit of like drama with her a month ago. I don't know if you if you know about this part. She basically was out I at did, a bar. Okay, yeah, she like hooked up with some seventeen year old kid, and then the whole internet was like, "Oh my god, you're like a pedophile." Whatever. Like obviously yeah. she she didn't know at the time. Well, that's also. I mean, she was allegedly dating Braxton Berrios. That yeah. was why it was. That's more. another thing where like not that uh, I can't stand that shit. Like no one, it, it's between them. Like of, I don't think she was out making out and publicly like. I'm sure they were like, we're not that serious. Like, yeah. maybe it's not that big of a deal if we're hooking up with a... We're not boyfriend-girlfriend right now. Right, right. That solves every single problem of people, like, doing drama TikToks about it. You know what I mean? Like, they know what's going on in their lives. Other people don't. Yeah. Um, the whole thing was, though, is, like, we live in a, a social world where once people start to get steam, people yeah. build up this, perf this idealism of per perfection behind a person. Which is also, like, actually her brand. is Her brand is that she came from having pimples, and, but... But her brand is like, I'm this perfectly built Barbie doll. And you get there. And, and it worries me for creators that like, I mean, even the really well-intended people like the Keith Lees, it's like America or yeah. just social builds people up 
because yeah. they actually enjoy the rip down more than they enjoy the enjoy the build up. It's the minute someone does something wrong, people cannot wait to dive into it and be yeah. like, "Oh my god, you're the person I thought you were." It's like, "No, yeah. you literally just been telling me I'm perfect for yeah. the last like 2 yeah. years." So that was what I was thinking about. It was just more like a cancel culture vibe yeah. and I thought she handled it well and kind of just like pushed through it, kept her head down, but like Yeah. I don't know. It, it, well, well, this is the importance of platform and I think this is actually a really good place to land land the plane because it's what we've talked about through the whole thing. You know, like the podcast will give her sustainability because people will get a more in-depth view correct. at her lifestyle where like these TikToks can go off the rails at any moment. You do correct. one like cancelable thing that's not even yeah. really unethical or immoral and like you're you're done yeah, there. You yeah. Know? The algorithm could ban you, right. right? Like Steve will do it, you know, that YouTube decide he's done and he, maybe he hadn't built up a big enough platform. And, you know, Jeremy, we talked about the benefit of if he had a a different platform where if he had been documenting all this and his do we, entire Do we history. grab him as our first guest on big content <laughs> while he's in New York? Ooh, that would be fun. It'd be spicy. That would be fun. Yeah, having a platform is super important. And, you know, we have talked about this to tie this all together for the smallest creator in the world. The person at ESPN who is a podcast producer, a radio show producer, the person who's, you know, pretty good at their job, or the person who is sending out tweets and has 800 followers, but is threading tweets about the best podcasting equipment and how they edit their stuff, and 14 of ESPN, you know, shot callers follow that person. When cuts come, the person with the platform and the brand is the one that's going to survive. So, uh, you know, if, you, if you're ever thinking about starting and getting going and building a platform or just building up your personal brand, please, please, we, we highly encourage you to do it. You bring value to audience. That's how you grow your platform. And it does not mean you have to be on camera to build a platform. You could blog it, you could tweet it, or you could exit, and Nick will repost it. You can do it in a multitude of ways. But network is, I would say, brand Personal brand and platform is almost like the new network to a degree. Yeah. I, we have, I feel like we have so many internal things that actually have happened within the last month that like, we could save it because we yeah. have a few more things probably happening in the next, next month episode. So. Next episode. You. Yeah. And I also, you know what? I want to leave on this. You said mm. um, you texted me while you were on vacation and you were like, I'm going full nerf. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just straight happiness. Yeah. Whatever. Was this just a feeling of euphoria while you were dining <laughs> in Italy, eating pasta, overlooking like a beautiful landscape? Yeah. So I, I didn't want to talk too much about the trip, but went to, uh, we flew into Venice, spent a day in Venice. Then we did a nine night cruise throughout Croatia. So hit nine different cities in Croatia. And then, you know, another night in Venice before we flew back. And I texted you something like you were like, yeah, pull up, pull up the text, whatever it might have been, because um, it, it was funny. But overall, the theme of, of Europe, and it's always nice to go ahead. I sent, I sent you a podcast episode from, right. from uh, Kelly Roach, great follow. Uh, it, was, it was titled Six Strategies for Creating a High-Performing Environment. And then you said, thank you. On my Nurkulana wave, though, post-Europe, we have everything we need and more. Uh, no need to scale, just happiness. And then I just said no. <laughs> <laughs> so... Look, the, the general theme of, of Europe from the people that I was interacting with, tour guides, locals, and um, just really good people was like, like, what else more could we have? What else more do we need? And there's no doubt that more American culture is scale, grow, sell, you know, do it again, get it back, sell it again, <laughs> grow it, yeah, let's go. And, and so I think like, 
it, it's just amazing perspective, uh, you know, for everyone listening, for everyone in their day-to-day life. Look, shit goes wrong. Maybe you don't have a job right now. Maybe life isn't, you know, at its peak for you. But just go to Croatia. Yeah, be happy. Right. <laughs> but at the end of the day, and maybe it's just for me, like, yes, we do have, it doesn't mean I'm going to stop trying to grow the business. I was joking when I said we we were all good. But at the end of the day, it's like, you know, if someone offered me a lot of money for the company, would it be smart to to sell the company? Maybe. You you literally have the genuine perfect example of a man who sold his business for 100 million like he cashed out 100 millions of dollars and the only thing he wanted back at the end of the day was that was that yeah so that's something that you have instilled in the show and in me over the last you know year year and a half just hanging out together which is like what do you know what do like why? Why would I sell? Because yeah. this is what I want to be doing. And then you know, a couple of weeks ago, you made a comment that that might have shifted. So it's just good to remember that you know you can make smart business moves, but at the end of the day, like let's be grateful for what we do and don't have as well. Namaste. Namaste. All right, let's go. Question first. We could do some deep breathing. All right, I'm good. I'm in my flow state right now, Jack. What's up? Too many C4s this morning? <laughs> put that put that away. Put that away. We got a big app today.